Welcome to the Southridge Baptist Church Podcast. Today's message is from the series, The I Am Says I Am. Through this series, we're learning how to connect who we want to be and what God wants us to be. So prepare your hearts and lives to hear a powerful word from God today. Welcome to Southridge Baptist Church. So good to see each and everyone here this morning. Glad you took part and uh, join us in our services today. If you're a first-time guest, you are our VIP. We are so glad that you're here. Welcome. We're so happy to have you on this Memorial Day weekend. Well, we are going to be looking at what I believe is probably the most important series that I could possibly preach or teach here at this church. And I know right when the get-go, I knew as soon as you say something like that, you're kind of setting the bar pretty high. Now, I didn't say this is going to be the best preaching you've ever heard. I said this is going to be the best series that's probably going to be preached at our church. And the series really is the I Am Says I Am. Because today there's a big disconnect. There's a gap between what God and his word says I am and what I truly live as he says. There's that gap. There's a disconnect. How many of you ever played the old game, Simon Says? Can you raise your hand? You're terrible at this game. Simon didn't say raise your hand. My goodness, no wonder you guys don't play that game. Okay. Well, I kind of took that idea because throughout the Bible, that's kind of what God says. God lays out how we're to live, how we're to behave, what we're supposed to believe, what we're supposed to do. But yet, you're probably like me. There's probably a disconnect, isn't there? There's probably a disconnect. We know what God told us to do. We know what God wants us to do. But we're not always seeing the results. We're not always seeing the follow-through. We're not seeing the obedience. And it really stems from, I I don't think anybody here is saying, man, I just want to be the worst sinner that I can be. Nobody says that. Nobody gets up and just says, man, how can I just really tick off God today? How can I just really mess up my marriage today? How can I just make my kids just hate me? How can I be just a terrible boss today? How can I just be a real jerk on the freeway today and cut everybody off? We don't do that. But how does that happen? There's this disconnect, and it really stems from our identity. And really, we're going to spend several weeks dealing with our identity, who, not who society says we are. Because I'm telling you what, every time you turn on the TV, every time you watch a TV commercial, they're trying to tell you who you're supposed to be, ladies. Hey, guys are trying to tell you who you're supposed to be. Hey, high school students are trying to tell you who you're supposed to be. But we need to go to the Word of God and see who He tells us that we are. No longer do we have to kind of say, all right, society, all right, media, what, what am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to dress like? What am I supposed to act like? What am I supposed to like and not like? And too many people were taking our cues from things other than God. And it really comes back to our identity, really what we believe about who God says we are. And it's funny because, have you ever thought about what our favorite stories are? You say, what do you mean? Our favorite stories, at least my daughter's favorite stories, have to do where the frog turns into the prince. Favorite story. She loves the transformation. It has to do where the pauper becomes the prince. It has to do with where we see the ugly duckling becoming the swan. We love these transformation stories. We love these stories that start off with somebody is just broken and a nothing and a nobody, and all of a sudden they make it big. That's why we like the stories here in the Bay Area about how somebody in their garage can start a company that several years later is a multi-billion dollar company, world-renowned company that started off so small. Why do we love those kind of stories? And it goes to the heart of who we are. It goes to the very heart about our 
identity and who we want to be. Because we love transformation. We want to see ourselves changed into everything that God wants us to be. And we know that the gospel can transform us, but why is there a disconnect between that transformation process? Many years ago, there was a great work of art that was done by Michelangelo, and it was Michelangelo's pita. It was a marble stone of the anguished Mary holding the crucified Jesus in her arms. Well, in the 19... 60s, 1970s, somebody ran into the Vatican with a hammer and just began to tear into that marble statue. Here's a statue that had been around for hundreds of years, and here this person began to deface the statue. Well, once they stopped the person from tearing apart the statue, curators were able to come in and almost restore Michelangelo's pita to almost near perfection. And if you were to go to the book of Genesis, chapter number 2 and chapter 3, you would see that God did have a masterpiece. And it starts out in the book of Genesis. And that masterpiece is not a marble stone. That masterpiece is not a creation. That masterpiece, according to Ephesians chapter number 2, is you and I. But there came somebody to deface that masterpiece. It was Satan. To strip away our identity. To strip away who we truly are in Jesus Christ. And the job of a Christian, the job for us is the same thing as those curators that came back in to restore that masterpiece. Is to, once again, let Christ restore us. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, for we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The word workmanship in the Greek is the word poema, which means simply this, God's work of art. And that's what you and I started out. God's work of art. God's masterpiece. You may be sitting here thinking, I don't feel like a masterpiece. I feel like maybe a Picasso kind of weird tweaked all out of place or something, but not a masterpiece. And I'm here to tell you that's why this series is so important. Because we're going to look at truth after truth. Because so many times, without a right view of my identity, I'll never have the right activity. I won't. Because it's flowing from this uh, skewed vision. You see, when I see as God says, then I will do as God says. And it has to do with our perspective. So many of you, you're saying, I could never teach a Sunday school class. Well, why not? Because I'm just not this. Or, or I couldn't help out in this area because I'm just not. And, and, and you're looking at this skewed vision. You're looking at the masterpiece. You're saying, you know what? No, no, it's too messed up. It's too far gone. And we're going to look at a character today that I think will give us so much hope. And I think will encourage us. And I think will give great healing to many of you. And I think it'll be a blessing. I think it'll be just what you need. And I'm excited to preach to you this morning. And I hope you're awake. I hope you had your coffee. And I hope you're excited to hear the word of God this morning. Some of you seem like you're awake. And then some of you, you're like, no, it's a three-day weekend. And I've been sleeping in. So out of respect for the word of God, can we all stand and kind of wake us up? And would you take your Bible to Exodus chapter number 2. Exodus chapter number 2. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen. Or if you have it on your iPad. Or if you have it on your phone or uh, any mobile device, you'll see it. The Bible says this, Exodus chapter number 2, verse 15. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, and let me back up, this is about the story of Moses. And we're going to kind of jump right into his life. And Moses had just, he had just murdered somebody. And verse 15 picks up here. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing that he murdered, uh, Moses had murdered an Egyptian, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. 
And when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and, and where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? And call him that he may eat bread. Verse 21. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. Verse 21. And Moses was content to dwell in the land. I want to deal with that this morning. Because I think what really stops our transformation. What really stops us from embracing our true identity in Jesus Christ. Is we're content. You see you know what? I'm not real bad. I'm just not super Christian. I'm not terrible. I'm not, you know, just getting wasted every night. I'm not murdering people. I'm, I'm not beating on my wife. I'm, I'm better than my neighbor. And we've gotten content. And this morning, I hope to kind of wake us up out of that contentment, to embrace the identity, to embrace the calling that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. Let's pray as we begin. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the time we can gather around your word. I thank you for this, this passage of scripture. And I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray for those today that, we're, that are just struggling with their identity. They're not sure who they are. They're not sure what you're calling them to be. And they're just mixed up and they're believing uh, something that's totally false about who they are and what they can be in Jesus Christ. And I pray today that this message will be healing for some. I pray that it'll be encouragement for others. I pray that it'll be liberating for those that, that just feel bound up by this disconnect between who they want to be. And I pray that you would help me to speak the words that you would want me to speak. I pray that you would bless. I thank you so much for the soldiers who have given their lives so that we can meet together in a theater and preach and hear your word preached to us. I pray your blessing on the service we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. When I was growing up, I used to think that all adults were everything that they ever wanted to be. When I was young, I used to think, I can't wait till I'm an adult. Because then when I'm an adult, I'll be everything I've ever wanted to be. Maybe that's the way you felt. And maybe you felt, man, as soon as I get a little bit older, I'm going to have the house I've always wanted to have. I'm going to have the wife I've always wanted to have or the husband I've always wanted to have. I'm going to have that career I've always wanted to have. I'm going to be that, 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 that loving father that maybe I didn't necessarily have. Or I'm going to be that, that, that loving wife that maybe I didn't see in my mom growing up. Or I'm going to be that coworker that's just, just the best coworker. And, and we have such, such high hopes. Children are born with such great promise. The world is just an empty slate to them. But then years go by, and you start thinking, man, what happened? I thought one day I would, I would be this type of person when I turned 21, or, or I thought once I graduated, I'd have this type of job, and I thought I'd become this, and I would do this, and I thought my anger issues would be done with, and I thought my addictions would be behind me, and I thought I'd be able to move on from all this, but why is it I'm still the same? Why is it the battles I had when I was 18 still plague me when I'm 58? Why is it do I still seem like I'm still bound up in the same sins? Why does it seem like I'm never, ever able to quite become what God wants me to become? And I've got some encouragement for you this morning. Some of you are sitting here thinking, man, I'm on my vacation. This is a depressing message. My goodness. Don't worry. It gets worse. All right. Stay with me. The Bible says over and over so many times. That we're a new creature. We're a new creation. We're going to look at that. But I want you to know, first and foremost, it's never too late to be who you might have been. 
I put that out this week on social media, and I couldn't imagine how many people responded to that because it struck a chord with us. Because in all of us, no matter what your age, there's something in us that desires to be what we might have been. There's some part of us that says, yeah, yeah, it is possible. Yeah, no, I don't have to stay. I don't have to be content with who I am. There is something else out there. It is possible to be the ugly duckling that goes to the swan. It is possible to be the frog that that becomes the prince. It is possible for the transformation. But please show me how. Show me it's possible. And I want to look at this passage. And this passage is the story of Moses. Moses was born into a time when it was very dangerous. You say, what do you mean? It was a time in Egypt's history where Pharaoh had commanded that all children, all males that were born, had to be killed, had to be thrown into the river and drowned or, or just executed. He was not wanting, the, the nation of Israel was just growing too much. Well, here's Joe, Moses' parents. They said, no, we can't do it. The Bible says he was a goodly child. The Bible says, man, they saw Moses and they couldn't kill their baby. And you mothers, you know how that goes. There's no way you would let anything happen to your baby. Nothing, no way you'd let anything happen to your baby boy. You would die before you watched that baby go. And so they built an ark. It's amazing how God uses arks to save people. I love the analogy. We don't have time to go into it from Genesis to Exodus, how God used an ark to save people. But here, the Bible says they built an ark and they placed their baby in this ark. And they did obey the letter of the law. The letter of the law said, put your baby in the river. Hey, they they obeyed the law, didn't they? They put their baby in the river. They just made a special little boat that would protect him. And they, they sent Moses off. Well, God's providence led that baby to right where Pharaoh's daughter was by the riverbank. And Pharaoh's daughter was moved when she heard the cry of that baby and drew him out. And for his young adult life, Moses grew up from being a slave to from being something that was just uh, the world wanted to just get rid of. He was raised in the palace. And here he was. He knew he was a Hebrew. He knew that, man, I'm going to deliver these people. But we see that in his life, he got ahead of God's plan. And he murders an Egyptian. He sees this Egyptian fighting against this Israelite. And he was thinking, this is it. This is where it's going to start. I'm going to take out this Egyptian. And I'm going to raise up this slave army. And we're going to take over the Egyptians. And we're getting out of here. And I'm going to be their leader. And it's going to start right now. And he slays the life of the Egyptian thinking, this is going to be it. This is the start of something big. And it kind of seems like some great makings of some big action movie. Except for things didn't go according to his plan. The slaves didn't rise up and say, Moses, you're our hero. Moses, we're going to follow you. Matter of fact, the very next day, he sees two more Hebrews fighting, not with an Egyptian, but with each other. And he goes up to him and says, hey, guys, why are you fighting? And they said, wait, are you going to kill us too like you did that Egyptian because we're fighting? All of a sudden, the Bible says, and Moses knew this thing was known. And he had to flee from the face of Pharaoh. And maybe that's where you're at. You're saying, man, I used to be so much better. But now, this is just where, I, where I'm at. And you've just fallen into this contentment. There's an old cartoon, and it's called Popeye. And Popeye used to have a saying. And it was this, I am what I am. And that was his saying. That's what he would say. And for some of you this morning, that's what you're saying. Somebody looks at you and says, why do you always do that? And you just say, I am what I am. And that's kind of how, how you go through your life. Somebody like that way too much. I mean, maybe I'll just do that the whole time or something. But for some of you, you're, you're at that point where you're just like, I am what I am. 
My temper is what my temper is. My gossip's what my gossip is. My, my, my addictions are what my addictions are. I, I am what I am. That's it. And I'm here to tell you that that's, that's not true. Matter of fact, it makes me very, very upset when people say that. I mean, it, it really makes me a little hot under the collar. It makes me want to get downright mad. It makes me want to preach is actually what it does. Because the Bible never portrays that. I hear preachers say it all the time, and it, it just grates on me. They say, bless God, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And they got to say it with a big southern accent. And I'm saying, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I'm so much more than that. The Bible says, for you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. Don't stop there. Don't just leave it there. Continue. I'm more than that. Now, b- let's be careful here. I don't want to turn into our, uh, our identity series becoming an idolatry series. Because a lot of times when we start talking about identity, and I read some books, and I was listening to some preachers, our modern view of identity just turns into this pop psychology that we are something awesome, more special than we are, and it's really just turns into idolatry we start worshiping ourselves that's not what i'm saying the what gives us value is jesus christ our identity is found inside of him and let me be clear about that and so many times some of you you'll say well i'm I'm just i'm just acting how how i act and i'm saying no no, you, you, this, you, that's how you were. That's not how you are. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, the Bible says. Let's, not stop act, let's stop acting like we were before we were saved. And let's embrace our new identity in Jesus Christ. For many of you this morning, this is where you've lost your identity. Your identity has drifted away. There's been something about it that just slipped away. And I'm going to deal with how did, how did Moses' identity just kind of get stripped away? You see, the Bible says... That Moses buried that Egyptian. And I think at that point in time, he kind of buried his identity, who he was supposed to be. And 40 years goes by. And the Bible says he's content. He turns into a shepherd. He marries a nice girl. He starts having a nice family. And he's just kind of content, never to embrace uh, who God has really called him to be. Because he's settled with, I am what I am. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. Just saying, I am what I am. That's just kind of it. This is, this is the Christian I'm going to be. It's just kind of where I'm going to settle. But I want you to see there's so much more than that. You see, some of you here today, as God is my witness, you're saying that, 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 that same thing, that I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just content. I'm just it. There's nothing more. And you know what really brought this on, why you say this, I am what I am? It's because of the stake, mistakes you've made. That's why you feel that way. It's because of the mistakes you've made in your past that you just feel, you know what, I just, I just can't get over my mistakes. Hey, Moses, yes, you murdered somebody. That's pretty bad. You know, there's other people in the Bible, they had their other issues, they had their other problems, and yet God still uses them. But some of you, you just can't get over the mistakes you've made. Those mistakes have you bound up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, and you just can't get over those mistakes in your past. And I'm telling you what, only God can take a mistake and work a miracle. And that's what God's going to do. You see, God's got a plan for Moses. Moses doesn't know it, and you don't know God's plan for your life. So instead of looking at the mistakes and letting those define you, you need to look at the mistake and say god what are you going to do through this i messed up i need your mercy i need you to step into this situation you see god doesn't necessarily fix our past but he does free us from our past he does free us and some of you you just you can't go on to what god has for you because you're still wrapped up in the past it's got you chained it's got you tied you see i've said it before and i'll say it again circumstances may explain me but they don't define me 
Circumstances may explain me, but they don't define me. Don't let those circumstances define you. Don't let those be the trademark. Or why is she like that? Or why is he like this? Well, if you know them, this is what happened. No, 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 no. Let's not let those things define us. Let's let the word of God define us and who we are in Jesus Christ. I am not, I am what I am. Don't stop there. Let's keep on going. We got to finish it out. You see, some of you, you feel that way because of the mistakes you've made. And Moses made his mistakes also because of the insecurities we've acquired. You, over time, there's these insecurities you've gained. It started when you were young, when maybe you were in middle school or elementary school, and you were in choir or something, and everybody else could hit the note, but you could hit the note a couple other octaves higher than everybody else because your voice hadn't changed, and everybody called you squeaky. Your voice is so high, and all of a sudden, you have an insecurity, and now you won't sing when we all stand up and sing because back in elementary school, somebody said I was a squeaky toy, and I could sing higher than all the girls, and I was a boy, and you've got all these issues because of that. What happened? You see, over time, we... We gain these insecurities. Or man, you started playing sports and for whatever reason, you're just not very, very hand-eye coordination just isn't your thing. And so man, you gained another insecurity. Or maybe you went on that first date and all of a sudden something happened. You're just one more insecurity. You went to college and added more insecurity. And a relationship didn't work out, added more insecurity. And something happened. You never got the approval from a father or mother and more insecurity and just piled it on. That was Moses' too. We're going to do a little jumping around, and I hope you don't mind. Would you go to chapter 4 of this passage in verse number 10? Because Moses is going to have a conversation with God, and God's going to tell Moses, Hey, Moses, I'm going to use you, and you're going to deliver the people out of Egypt. And Moses has a little argument with God, and Moses says, Wait a minute, God, you you don't understand. I'm not eloquent of speech. And in chapter 4, verse number 10, here's what Moses says, And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord. I am not eloquent of speech, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. That's funny because the book of Acts, chapter number 7, the Bible says he was good at speaking. The Bible says he was eloquent. There, if you study out to scholars, they would say uh, Moses being groomed to be the next Pharaoh. He was very good at speaking, but over 40 years, he had gained some insecurities. And maybe over time, you've gained some insecurities. Every time, that's how you're feeling. You're feeling like, I am what I am, and it's because of an insecurity you've gained. It's a mistake that you've made. It's an insecurity you've acquired. But then, here's the worst one. Because the lies you've believed. I'm telling you what, Satan lied to Eve back in Genesis chapter number 3, and he's lying to you. And he tries to tell you every kind of lie. You're not good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You're not this, not spiritual enough. And man, some of you are listening. And you're wondering why your spiritual life is up and down, up and down, up and down. Because of the lies we believed. Notice chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Really, if you look at this as I began to study it, it's not that Moses was saying, Hey, they won't believe me. Moses was saying, In effect, I don't believe. That's really what Moses is saying. Hey, God, yeah, yeah, I, I, just, I just don't believe. Because 40 years ago, I tried this thing, and it didn't work out. I thought I was going to be this revolutionary, and I thought you were going to use me, and I thought something great was going to happen. But God, no, it's not going to happen now. And for some of you, you feel like too much time has gone by. I can never be the dad I want to be. I can never be the Christian I want to be. I can never embrace what you've truly called me to. And you're believing a lie this morning. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The lies we believe will determine the life we live. The lies we believe will determine the life we live. 
The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. He's trying to get us to believe something that's not wrong about ourselves. You see, the longer you lie to yourself, along the way you will begin to lose yourself. And for some of you, that's what's happened. You're saying, how did I get this far? What happened in my life? You started to believe a lie about what Satan was telling you about yourself. And this morning, I'm here to call you out and say, wait a minute, let's look at the truth. The Bible says that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth. Jesus Christ is that truth. And we need to start believing that truth. It's been said before, stop trying to behave better and start trying to believe better. We just need to start believing better. For some of you, that you're at that point. I am what I am. But notice this, and I hope to give you some hope here. Number two, I am what I am. But that's not all I am. That's not all I am. Notice chapter three, verse number three. I love this part. The Bible says this in verse number three. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. You see, here's Moses. He spent all these years in the backside of the desert. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, he's taking care of his sheep, and they're wandering in the desert. And it's almost as if, just kind of out of the corner of his eye, he sees a bush that's on fire. And it's almost as if he, he has to stop and say, do I turn or do I keep on going? Because I'm content. I got my sheep, I got my family, I got everything I need. It may not be everything I had in Egypt, but I've got what I need. And here Moses has a decision, and this morning you have a decision to make. Will this be a turning point, or is this going to be same old, same old? Will you continue to live as I am, as I am? Or are you going to say, wait a minute, yes, I am what I am, but that's not all I am. Because Moses said, I'm going to turn aside. This turning point became a major breakthrough. Because it was at this point, all of a sudden, God says, yes, there he goes. He's turning. He's ready. I'm going to use him. Over uh, over 2 million Jews are going to be saved because he turned. I'm going to do something great. God has got something planned for Moses. All because Moses. Moses said, I'm going to turn. This morning, I'm asking some of you, what do you need to turn in your life this morning? What needs to turn the corner? Because that turning point became the starting point to the best thing that ever happened in Moses' life. Because for 40 years, he was just a shepherd. For 40 years, there he was, just kind of content. And maybe that's been you. For 40 years, you've just been content, doing your same old, same old. Going to work, putting your boots on, same as old. uh, But maybe today is going to be your turning point. Maybe today, you're going to say, you know what? God, you've got something. It's not an accident I'm at this church in this dark theater upstairs in the Oak Ridge Mall. It's not an accident you're here. God says this is a turning point for you in your life. There's something I want to do, but you can just sit there and be content or you could say, you know what? God's speaking to me. It's not that little white dude that's speaking to me. It's God and his word that's speaking to me. He's got something for me. I got to sit up. I got to listen because God, you're speaking to me this morning. God, you want to tell me something. You want to tell me that it's not over. I don't have to believe the lies that you've got something something in the future for me and this is going to be my turning point this is where i'm going to start all over right here right now god and god i don't want to miss it i don't want to be like the moses that almost kept on going but said wait a minute there's the bush i'm going to turn it became a starting point for him you see some of you today you've got to make a decision will you turn you see many of you say i i, I would turn but but i just i don't know God just doesn't seem to really take notice of me anymore. God doesn't really seem to care. I just haven't felt his presence. I just don't see, think God's even there anymore. I just have doubted and I feel so alone. And really, that's because you have an incorrect assumption about God. And when you have an incorrect assumption, it leads to an incorrect assessment. 
You see, you're making an assumption about God that you have no idea. You feel like, God, you, you've abandoned me. God, you, you don't care about me anymore. God, I don't know if you're still real anymore. God, I don't know if you're still going to work anymore. God, I feel like you've maybe abandoned me. And you have an incorrect assumption. I can't tell you how many times I get it wrong when I assume. Whenever my wife tells me to go to the grocery store and I assume this might be what she needs. I didn't know there's so many different types of mustard seed stuff. And if you get the wrong one, oh, this recipe could go bad. Or when you go to the store and you buy a dress for your wife and you assume this could work. I mean, guys, we don't win. Either way we go. You go too small, go too big. We lose. And I'm just done with it. I'm sticking with jewelry. You can't lose that way. You just spend all your money. Just, just empty out the bank. That's a whole lot easier. Because I get it too small. They say this. Get it too big. And they say, what? And it just never works for me. Why? Because I assumed. And so many of us Christians, we're assuming things about God that leads to a wrong assessment of God. Because look at this passage. I love what God said in verse number 7 of chapter number 3. The Bible says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. For 400 years, they've been afflicted. And for 400 years, these Israelites are probably thinking, God, are you there? God, do you see what's happening? Do you see how they beat us? Do you see how they murder our children? Do you see how they steal from us? God, do you see us? And maybe they felt alone. And maybe that's you this morning. You're saying, God, do you see me in my situation? God, I'm broke. I'm at the end of my rope. Do you see this relationship? Do you see what my kids are doing? Do you see what my family is going through? Do you see how I feel? Do you see how I cry myself to sleep? And God is saying, just like he said to Moses, I've seen the affliction of my people. I'm seeing it. My eyes aren't turned. God's not saying, oops, I missed it. What happened, guys? We got to stop what's going on in heaven. Come on, stop that. We got to pay attention over here. We're missing something. God's not doing it. The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and and fro. God is looking. God is beholding. God sees you in your need. He knows what you're going through. He knows what's happening in your life. And you can say with renewed confidence, you know what? Yes, I am what I am, but that's not all I am because he's working in me and he hasn't taken his eyes off of me. His eyes are on me. There's a great old song. His eyes are on the sparrow. If his eyes are on the birds, aren't we of more value than the birds? And God says, I love you because why? You're his work of art. Some of you, you're good with tools. I'm horrible with tools. I break everything. I mess everything up, but I try. And man, I try to make a masterpiece. I don't care if it turns out ugly. I get my wife. I get my kids. I say, clap for daddy. He did it. Look what he made. And they don't know what it is, but I just want them to enjoy it and to praise and sing my praises. And man, just think it's awesome. Why? Because it's my masterpiece. And then Megan will ask, what is it, daddy? What does it do? I don't know, but daddy made it. You know, it's my masterpiece. And God's looking at you and saying, hey, guys, look at my masterpiece. And you may be feeling... I don't feel like a masterpiece. I don't look like a masterpiece. should have seen me a couple hours ago. I wasn't no masterpiece in that mirror. But uh, you know what? God says, wait a minute, deeper than that, I've got something that I'm going to do. And you may be feeling, God, you're not looking, but God is looking. See, God was watching them, and God is watching Moses, and he's watching you. You may feel that, God, you're not looking. You also may feel that, God, you're not listening. Verse 7 doesn't stop there. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry. God hears. Some of you, you've been praying hard. You've been saying, dear God, please, please let my basketball team win. Please, please. And they lost. Please let the San Jose Shark. No, don't even pray that. It's not going to happen. And some of you, you're just thinking, God, is my prayers even reaching the ceiling? And God said, I'm listening. 
I hear them. I haven't closed my ear. My ear is not short. The Bible says in Psalms 54 verse 2, Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. God is listening. You see, God is there. He's looking. He's listening. And you may feel that God isn't very loving. But for 40 years, Moses was in obscurity. For the children of Israel, it had been 400 years of slavery. But God says, hey, I'm still loving. I'm still doing something. I'm going to work in this situation. Yes, I am what I am. But that's not all I am. There's so much more to me. There's so much more to what God wants to do inside me. It's not what I am, but it's what God wants to make me. Also, I am what the I am says I am. Some of you, you're saying all kinds of things about yourself. I'm so stupid. You ever said that to yourself? I can't believe I did that. Oh, I'm so dumb. I'm so, I just can't stand myself sometimes. And you may not say it out loud, but sometimes you'll get in your car and you're driving home from work just thinking, how come I can't get it together? Or maybe you get in an argument with the spouse and just think, why can't I be more kind with my words? Or maybe something's happening in just a situation in your uh, relationships, otherwhere, and you're just like, man, why am I just so, so mean? Why can't I just be more loving? Or why can't I be like that? And you're just thinking about yourself and you're just, you're saying all these things. You see, what the gift Satan has is that he doesn't just come right at you and tell you lies about yourself. He gets you to tell the lies to yourself. He gets, he gets it to a point and he gets you to believe these things about yourself that aren't even true. He starts speaking these lies and you start listening to them. And you just start internalizing them and saying them. And before you know it, you start living them out. You're more angry than before. You're, you gossip more than before before you keep struggling with the same things because why you just seem to just keep replaying and rehearsing these things but stop going to something else to find out who you are and stop listen start listening to what god says you are because the i am says what i am i don't let anything else define me i let god define me that's what's so powerful about this series is we're going to start looking at what god says we're supposed to be not what oprah and her co-pastor phil says we're going to start saying god what do you want me to be what's what's the goal that you have in mind because i'm tired of feeling like i gotta measure up when i go to my old school reunions and you feel like man i gotta impress them i go to preacher's meetings and it's the worst this is this is like going to high school reunion because at the preacher's meeting you've got to act like everything's all good you've got to put the biggest fakest smile you've ever seen you got to carry the biggest baddest bible you've got i mean this is one from the coffee table i mean it's this big it's a gutenberg 1611 i mean this thing's massive nobody can read it but you got to carry a big old one i mean you just look so fake and you got well brother bless god how are you and you're just like this isn't who i am and then you just like, man, does anybody feel as superficial as I do? And everybody's walking around thinking, yeah. Because we're defining ourselves by ourselves. We're measuring ourselves and comparing ourselves by ourselves. And we're just saying, man, am I as tall as that person? You remember when we used to do this as little kids? If you were trying to see who was taller, you'd go like this. Yep, I'm the same height as you. We're the same, man. Get off me. And we start doing that. But God says, you don't have to do that anymore. Because... The I am says what I am. And we're going to spend several weeks looking at what God says I am. And we're going to be going to the book of Ephesians where over and all, the Apostle Paul says you are a saint. Where the Apostle Paul says you are loved. The Apostle Paul says you are restored. The Apostle Paul says great things about us. The Apostle Paul says you are chosen. Jump back. God chose me. Messed up, jacked up me. God chose me. After all I've done, God still loves me. Yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. I step back and it humbles me. It doesn't lift me up with pride. I don't think, wow, I'm something big and bad. Get off my big bad stuff. No. I want to just get before God and say, wow, God, I'm nothing. 
All of a sudden, I agree with the Psalms. And I'm going to quote the verse correct this week. I am dust, not but dust, like we said last time. I got into all kinds of trouble when I said that. But we're just dust. And God says, I know, but you're my masterpiece. Something great that I'm going to do inside of you. You see, I am what the I am says I am. No if, and, or buts about it. I am what the I am says I am. And we got to back up. This is so awesome. In chapter number three, God comes to Moses and he's speaking to Moses and he's telling Moses, hey, you're going to deliver the children of Israel. Hey, Moses, God, I'm going to use you to do my wonders in Egypt. And then Moses, once you get done, you're going to come back to this mountain and you're going to worship me and it's going to be awesome. And I love how God literally says you're going to come back to the mountain and worship me because we love mountaintop experiences, not the valleys. We like the mountaintops. And God tells Moses, we're going to come to the mountaintops. But notice chapter four, verse one, just after God got done speaking, something awesome, something inspiring, the best message you've ever heard notice what moses says and moses answered and said but that's what we do god says i'm going to do something great through your life i'm going to restore the marriage i'm going to restore the relationship i'm going to give you my holy spirit power and you're going to do something in your job you're going to do something in your neighborhood you're going to do something in your family you're going to do something in this church and it's going to change the city and then you say that's great but do you know who you're talking to we started all over again. Moses had a turning point, which became a starting point, which is going to lead to something, a greater point in his life. But here he comes to another point in his life where he says, but. Man. And some of you, that's God speaking. He's saying, I'm going I'm to use you. And you're saying, but God, wait a minute. This is him about to turn the tables. You see, God said, I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to where you always wanted to be, Moses. I'm trying to get you over here, but you're here now resisting me. It's not Satan resisting me. It's not something in your past resisting me. It's you resisting me. He said, we dealt with your past. It's a mistake. You can't change it. It, made define, it doesn't define you. It describes you. It doesn't define you. We dealt with that. We dealt with the insecurity. We dealt with the lies. And now it's not the lies, it's not the mistakes, it's not Satan, it's you. That's where Moses is at. He doesn't want to change. But God, I can't. And then he spent several verses just going over the excuses. Why he can't. Why he won't. How many of you moms, when your children say, I can't, mommy, you tell them, no, 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 that means you won't. And if you won't, you're grounded, no PS3, that means you're going to get in trouble, that means this, that means that, because you're not saying I can't, you're saying I won't, and that's rebellion, and that's sin, and i got to punish you, bless God. I don't know if you do it like that, maybe that was my family. But I'm telling you what, we say this to ourselves, and we look up at God, and we say, but God, we started to plan it for this church plant years ago, this is... We're four months old today. Kind of exciting, four months old. We're not very old. Hey, praise the Lord. Amen. We celebrate a lot around here. I hope you guys don't mind. We celebrate every little milestone. It's always exciting. Anything that happens around here, we love it. But a year ago, when God began to work in our hearts that there needs to be a church, I I said, God, there's 2,882 churches in San Jose, in this city, city of a million people. Why do we need another church? We got churches all over the place. God, you don't need me. And I started to play the, the butt game with God. But God, no. And then I said, God, don't you know how expensive it is? Send me where it's nice and cheap. Send me where, like, Phoenix or something where it's cheaper. You know, I can deal with the heat, you know. Send me somewhere else. 
kept playing the but God game. God says, no, 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 something's going to happen. And then as we begin to see lives changed, as we begin to see people saved, as we begin to see things happen, I began to step back and it was almost as if I could hear God say, I told you so. I told you there was going to be something. A year ago, I couldn't have pictured this. I couldn't have pictured us being in this theater with you people here. I couldn't have pictured the transformed lives. I couldn't have pictured you guys getting on the video and saying, this is what God did and this is what God did and this is what God spoke to you, me about. And I couldn't imagine the things that you guys have said in letters and phone calls to me. I couldn't imagine what God said. But all the time, I almost missed it because I was saying, but God, we don't need this. And but God, I don't have money. And but God, you look at me. I'm not the type. And we can go on and on and on and i'm using myself as an illustration to put myself where you're at because you do the same thing with god but god i would start that business but god i would go to church more but i would tell my coworkers about you but god i would love my wife more but and i would do this but and we keep making these butt sandwiches god i just but 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 and we need to quit it we need to stop it because it's messing up what god wants to do in our lives because we just keep making excuses to god and god say no i got something so much bigger and so much grander for you if you will stop with it You see, faith is preparing you for the thing you can't perceive. God has got something bigger, and you just can't perceive it yet. But God is preparing you for it. For 40 years, God was preparing Moses. For 40 years with sheep. Moses, you know, this is interesting. God was going to use him to call and bring out the children of Israel. And Moses was ready 40 years earlier, but God wasn't. Now, God is ready, and guess who's not ready? Moses. Isn't that so much like me and you? We do the same thing. He said, man, 18 years ago, God, I would have been on fire for you. Saddest thing, I was in a church in uh, Sacramento, and this elderly gentleman came up to me, and he got tears in his eyes, and he told me how God had called him to preach. He said, man, I never, never, never followed through. And I'm not saying God's called you to preach. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to guilt you into, yeah, you're all called to preach, even you ladies, go preach. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm trying to say that In his heart, he knew that God had called him to something over here, but he stayed over here, and there was the disconnect, and he never bridged the gap, and he never said, God, yes, I am what I am, but that's not all I am. I am what you say I am. He stayed in, I am what I am. That's where he stayed, and it broke my heart because he's looking back. On his life saying, it's almost over, and what did I do with it? And here's Moses kind of doing the same thing. And maybe you're sitting here thinking the same thing. Ah, it's too late. Maybe when I was younger, yes, I would have done that. Maybe when I had more energy. Maybe when I had more money. And we keep saying, but. And God says, forget the but. You see, when we doubt the product, we insult the manufacturer. We were created in whose image? Image of God. Imago Dei is the Latin word. Image of God comes from Genesis 1.27. Let us create man in our image. I'm not trying to get you to go home and say, honey, check this out. No, I'm not trying to get you to do that. But I'm trying to get you to see God's got a vision. God's got a plan for your life. And God says, yes, I will define you. Let my word define you. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be. Praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Is that you? You can look back in your life and say, you know what? Yeah, there's been some real change in my life. God, you've done something. God, you've changed something in me. Yeah, I I may not have the, the, the fastest pace, but God, I'm getting there. 
Another thing, I, I, I've, I've been really thinking about this topic and I put out there because I used to think spiritual growth was in my power. And I used to look at Christian life as kind of like, I can control this thing. I can make me a better Christian. I just got to grip my teeth, white knuckle, and make this thing happen as a Christian. And I kind of used to use this analogy that, man, I'm kind of like a speedboat. Man, I could just kind of pull the motor and, man, away we go spiritually and start going for God. But the reality is I'm not a speedboat. I'm a sailboat who the only way I'm ever going to move, the only way I'm ever going to go anywhere is by the wind of the Holy Spirit guiding me. It's not me. It's never me. It will never be me. That's why it's so important we're doing this series after we did the I Am series, where we saw all that Jesus Christ is, where we saw all that he is as we went through those seven statements. And now we're saying, because now we know what who he is, now we can know who we are. It goes together so perfectly. And when we understand that, wait a minute, my spiritual growth, I must put the sails out, but the wind of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that takes me. And let him take me. And stop being frustrated with where I'm at. Stop being frustrated with maybe I'm not growing as much. Maybe I'm not doing as much. Maybe I just need to try harder. The Bible says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you, the yoke's not easy and the burden isn't light because you're trying so hard and you're getting so frustrated because you think spiritual growth is in your control. And you think, man, I could just do this. No, no, what's in your control is, man, I gotta open up the sails. I I gotta get as close to God as I can, hear the message from him. But really, ultimately, he's got to move me along. He's got to do it. And that's where we're at. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, God says, man, I'm in you. And that's the hope. The hope is not you, it's me in you. Let's not let the world define us anymore. Let's not let television define us. Let's not let the magazines define us. Let's not let society, MTV, um, uh, 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 some uh, real wives of whatever define us and who we are. Let's say, wait a minute, God, your word, I'm going to let you define us. And we got, there's so much here to say. I don't have time. And I hope you, you sense my frustration that I've just got too much here. You're going you're gonna to have to come back next week. That's just, that's just it. Y'all got to come back, okay? All right, so that's, that's how we'll get through this. But I want you to understand that Moses, he lost his identity some, along the way. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. And God's saying, hey, I'm here to call you back. I'm here to call you back to who you are supposed to be. I am what I am, but that's not all I am. Every head bowed and every eye closed.